Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of Three Point Podcast. It's three different generations, three different takes. I'm the old guy, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone is our middleman, Matt Burns of ESPN. And I'm joined here in the studio again by our millennial, Jared Fattel of WJSZ. Our sponsors tonight include the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll be checking in a little bit later with our oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. I understand maybe Jackie, his wife, will be joining us. And also on the pod tonight is former New Lothar Pornet, CMU Chippewa, all-Mac star, defensive back, and current Detroit Lion, Amari Coleman. I caught up with him a little bit earlier. But guys, I, know, I don't know, Jared, if you noticed, but coming in and parking, it is Kerwood weekend. Are you all excited about that? I actually am excited for Kerwood. I love Kerwood. And what actually surprised me was, so I work in Lansing, and people are coming from all walks of life, from Lansing, from Flint, to come to this Kerwood Festival. Mm-hmm. All walks of life and is definitely I, the I term I, know, I would use. I think I know why. People have been telling me about this. You even told me about this. The beer tent. The ever <laughs> sought after beer tent. From what I heard from my friends, it's... Say I say and I quote the coldest beer you'll ever drink. <laughs> uh, absolutely, and it's a it's a pretty good setup, a pretty good fundraiser for people. But to be honest with you guys, and I don't want to sound like I'm a I'm non area supporter, but usually I clear town every week, every year when uh, Kerwood rolls around. I just kind of avoid it myself. How about you, Matt? Were you a big Kerwood guy? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I think everyone in the area has to go to Kerwood if you grew up in in Owasso or Crown or or I guess as Jared's saying, or just in the area. Um, coming into town for Kerwood, but no, I definitely used to go to the beer tent, and you know, you get your little tickets, and you get to go up and get your coldest beer in America, you know, or whatever it is. But the biggest thing to me was playing in a three-on-three tournament too. Oh yeah, man, that was that was like the, your your time to shine. Yeah, they they ended that since then. I'm pretty sure it gives Owasso something to do. You know what I literally do for fun around here? You right. know what we do? Me and my buddies and my brothers. I have we no idea. We drive around for fun. <laughs> it's called cruises. That's what we, that's we used what we to do. do that. Cruise the pits. It's it's this yeah. This is the ultimate cruise weekend. So I'm very looking forward to that. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, let me put it to you this way. I've outgrown some of that. Let's face it. But I do remember the days. You're right, Kerwood. I remember being very excited about. It. I remember uh, it, all the all the fun down at the beer tent. I'm just. It's just not my thing anymore, guys. That's all. Do you remember it being around even like back? <laughs> Your high school days and everything? Oh yeah. Well, I I'm I remember when it first started. It was called River Days. Okay, they had the little celebration where they had canoe races and raft races. In fact, the company I used to work for, Duall, we had a raft where our four office girls they rode this raft down the river, and it was called the Duall Dollies. And uh, you know, it was all it was all around the river. So they had River Days, and then it was like two or three years after that started when they really started the Kerwood Festival and and uh, started the beer tent. I don't know if you know this, Jared, but uh, myself and Tim Cordier, we were two of the originators of the three on three tournament. We're, we were the first organizers of the Kerwood three on three. I bet you never heard that one before. Well, no, I haven't heard it, but it's it's clear now why it didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> you See, probably are on to something. It used to be there. a big deal, though. I remember. I mean, like that was. I mean, because you, you had like Corona and Owasso rivals going up against each other in in the three on three tournament, and then you did always have people coming in from like Perry or or Lanesburg and something like that. But the three on three tournament used to be a big deal. 
frankly, I am a little bit surprised why it did die because, it, like you said, it was a big deal. It would draw really huge crowds for this area. I mean, anybody oh, okay. that listens that knows about Gus Macker knows the crowds that drew and what kind of tournament that was. You don't think it drew pretty decent crowds, Jared? Maybe it didn't in your time. Gus Mackers, I can't believe that you guys used to like playing those all the time. Why? You and my dad. I, it was one of my favorite things ever. Oh, my. We have many. That's just passed, passed this generation by. Many those, trophies. Those are the next thing to die. So it's no good anymore, huh, the Gus Macker? I just, you're going to pay to play basketball? I, I Just go to your local park and play. Uh-huh. I, the competition thing. I, I just love the competition about it. What, going against Dorothy's dry cleaners? Going against whoever. They would try to put you in. I've seen the home films of your teams. <laughs> now, that's a little you, different. That was the media a, division. You guys were in a dog fight with Dorothy's <laughs> dry cleaners. A dog fight. <laughs> no, we played the Oakland Press. Two. We played different media <laughs> sources. <laughs> I'm just saying, what I've seen, there was a team with two girls, two guys. That was one time. Jeans, two, one one time. of the guys wears jeans. It, it was a battle. Hey, we beat them. That's all that matters. Took all you had. All right, get off of that. Here's the big question, though, just to, to wrap it up. What's better, Kerwood or the Shiawassee County Fair? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I haven't been to the fair in a while myself. I don't go to either of them. Uh huh. Actually, but I do have some friends that chill out at the fair all week. They love fair week. Right. But... No. I, I, I definitely purposes? lean more towards the fair. Yeah. I love that fair, man. It, it's so fun walking around that fair, those fairgrounds. As I was a kid, too, again, this is where the older generation comes out. Uh, you know, the fair used to be at McCurdy Park in Corona, man. It was something we looked forward to every single year. Our, our parents would give us a little bit of change to go buy food at the 4-H, uh, uh, 4-H uh, cafeteria, and we would spend it on fat balls and other stuff french fries instead of that but <laughs> fat balls <laughs> yeah have you heard of that no what are oh that's balls? a that's a staple at the fair it's a big fried fat, dough probably big fat piece of dough with like pudding filling in it it's tremendous <laughs> <laughs> all right who might have those rivals yeah you never know absolutely but you know we were talking about the kerwood three on three let's talk a little nba fellas uh Boy, not looking too good for the Cavaliers, is it? No, not looking good at all. And obviously, there's the you know, no teams ever come back from from down three zero. But yeah, it's over. I mean, besides that, they just they actually last night I think got a little bit of LeBron specifically. He got a little bit of help from some of his role players. I guess not enough, but but they just they don't they look overmatched. I don't know what you guys think. They just they don't look as good as the Warriors, and I think that's obvious. It's obvious, and and I, I do think it could have been a different story if they would have pulled out Game One. I really do. I mean, that game one loss after what LeBron had what fifty two and yeah, like almost ten ten. Yeah, basically a triple double. Yeah, I mean, and not being able to win that game because of the brain fart and not knowing if you have timeouts and the whole end of that game was one of the most bizarre situations I've ever seen. And then the whole you know the the charge and non charge. I mean, that was an unbelievable game one. It was a great. I don't know. I mean, it was okay. Like yeah, the last five minutes was really entertaining. But before mm-hmm. that, I mean, the Warriors. It was kind. Of, it wasn't too great of a game, but it. I mean, why? Like Jr. He he got the rebound. Like it should be. I I know this kind of been like people are saying this as well. But mm-hmm. like it should be George Hill's fault as well. Like you got to make that free throw. Yeah, but nobody's a hundred percent from the line. I agree with you. If you're going to win a championship, you got to hit that free throw. But then it just steamrolled from that. Okay, Jr. Pulls down the rebound. He obviously thinks they're ahead. What's Lou doing? Why isn't he calling timeout? I mean, just so many factors in that last four and a half seconds. How'd you see it, Matt? Yeah, I think that it was it was like a, a culmination of everything. Like everyone kind of looked at Jr. Like, what the hell are you doing? 
because even LeBron, for you could see him for a split second almost freeze, like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And then he started trying to tell him to pass the ball, call timeout. Lou, I mean, he probably, Ty- Tyron Lou probably knew they had timeouts, but he was probably staring there like, what is happening? Because <laughs> I don't think anyone, that was the last thing that anyone expected to happen, except that it was J.R. Smith that grabbed the rebound, so it actually makes sense. But it was it was just crazy to me because, you know, you see him, you know, most of the time when, when a free throw is being shot, you know, people are checking the score. They're talking to their coach about what, you know, what are we going to do? We doing this defense, we call timeout, you know, all that. And it, that's the biggest spot of probably your career for George Hill or J.R. Smith. Yes. And they both kind of came up way short. So, so in that moment, you know, you do kind of feel a little bit bad for LeBron, I guess. And we all saw that video of like his reaction after. When oh they yeah. Were, I mean, that was the first time I've kind of been like, "Come on, LeBron, you gotta be better." But also, like, oh wait a minute. Also, so you're admitting. I did not expect that to be your reaction. I, I expected you to defend him and say like, "Oh, how how can you expect him to to act like that?" But you you think that he should have. Gotten LeBron or Jr.'s ear and tried to pick him up or what? More rah rah, right? Let me finish, folks. So, but I also I was so dejected after that game. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. My (laughs) dad was busting my balls. Everyone was busting (laughs) my balls. I couldn't sleep. So I I, like I kind of get. I obviously get how he must have felt. He had a potential career defining moment. If he gets that three ball at the top, you know that's going down. You know he's down on that. Oh, you know I, that it's just oh, forever, he was playing, forever, yeah. Forever that kind of leads right into where I started. I really think if they would have won that game, we have a series. I, we have a series. Maybe. I mean, I think they – because they win one on the road in California. I think maybe last night's game goes a little bit different in Cleveland. I mean, I just think we have a series. But I think that totally took the wind out of their sails and – put the nail in the coffin and throw any other cliche you want to throw out there. And uh, uh, by the way, they are getting beat by a better team. There's no doubt about that. That was one of my biggest things talking about that video that came out of LeBron after JR's little brain fart there is I, I totally understand, you know, that you have no idea how you would react in that moment. Obviously that's what a lot of people are saying. And that was, probably the, the craziest situation for LeBron to go through in his in his career maybe. And so you don't you don't know what he's gonna do in that moment. But to me, it it would be like obviously take a minute to kinda soak in what happened, figure out what the hell is going on. But like they were still going to overtime. You know, they, they they still had a very legitimate chance to win that game and they all just sat there in silence basically on in the huddle and no one did anything. And to me I'm like, okay, like you can take a minute, maybe even yell at each other, scream at each other, whatever, but then you gotta look at each other and be like, Yo, we're we're still going to overtime. We can still win this game. LeBron goes into overtime, goes 0 for 4, and the, the Warriors won that game by like 10 or something like that. So I think that led into game two where the Warriors just blew them out. Yeah. You know who I would have loved to yell at and who I was yelling at at the TV? Steph Curry. Doing a stupid little 1, 2, 3, like tongue out celebration. I can't stand I know. We, and Jerry Mount Green doing that. his little dance. And how about, like, I, the thing I hate about, the one thing I hate about today's NBA. Mm hmm. Kendrick Perkins can't just like sub in and just take Steph Curry out. <laughs> I. I will messing with them, and I just can't wait. Well, I, like I don't, I, there, I don't even know why I said can't wait. We're not, nothing's ever going to come of it. It's a weird thing. I, I do agree with you that the cockiness and 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 the antics, it is definitely, uh, definitely irritating. But then on the other side of the coin, whatever floats your boat to be as great as you are, because they're great, they're tremendous. And they are just such front runners, like Steve Kerr in that post game presser after they won. What do you uh, mean front runner? Yeah, explain that. Just whenever things are going well, they're like they talk more trash than anyone. When things aren't, that you don't you don't hear from them. Yeah. Bring Riley Curry out when they lose one time. <laughs> Steve, but Steve Kerr 
saying like you guys are better today, like mock kind of mocking LeBron. I like Steve Kerr, but it's just even when Steve Kerr decides to jump in on the like trash talk like banter, that's when you know you guys are a little bit too big for your bridges. You guys would have lost in the Western Conference Finals. Let us not forget. Well, yeah, but but also you you've been on record of saying this is probably the greatest team of all time, right? Is that how you see it still? Yeah, but that just tells you how good I think James Harden is, okay. and how much I'll just argue against the old time game. I'll, I'll fight my, I'll take that to my grave. I'll die on that hill. <laughs> it's tough to talking about like the different generations when you see a guy like Kevin Durant. He's basically seven feet, seven feet tall, can play point guard, and he's hitting threes from like forty feet. Yeah, like that. That's something that is unguardable. And can you imagine if? If a guy like that was playing like in the seventies or eighties or something like oh. that, it'd, he'd be like a freak of nature. So, so I always think about that when when there's you know you see like guys that can stretch the floor like like Durant can. But as far as the antics go, it, sometimes it does get annoying, but it's entertainment. I, I mean, I watch basketball games to have fun and get entertained, and that stuff's entertaining to me. So I I like it. I mean, it, it can go overboard sometimes, but I don't know. Would you rather watch? Would you rather be like Major League Baseball and like you can't even do a bat flip or you can't even like, you know, pump your fist after hitting a game-winning home run. No, it's just because it's the Warriors. Yeah, I think that's it. But that's a fair point, too. You know, it is entertainment still. And, uh, yeah, they're putting on a show without a doubt. Speaking of Durant, I I was going to ask you guys and and see what you thought about what happened last night. And this is, again, I'm going to go back to one of my biggest criticisms with LeBron and how he doesn't give max effort all the time in my eyes. And when I watch him play, if he locked in on defense, he, he could definitely be in a first-team all-defensive defense, player every year. No doubt. But when you have a guy last night in Durant just rolling, he is. you watch those highlights, man, he is hitting shot after shot. But when you look at the highlights, it's over George Hill, it's over Rodney Hood, it's over Kevin Love. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going, where is LeBron stepping up and saying, hey, we have to win this game. I am locking up Kevin Durant because I'm going to say it, a guy like Kobe, a guy like Michael Jordan would not be switching off on those screens. Those guys would be saying, Durant's the guy that's rolling, I'm sticking to him, and I'm going to shut him down. Jared? Uh, yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Like, not at all. LeBron, he's expends so much energy on offense, he's in the game 48 minutes. Then There's maybe no he way. shouldn't be expending so much energy on offense. I mean, that everyone has every sucks. excuse for LeBron, and that that's a thing, too. Is like, if, if the Cavs lose, lose, then it's his role players didn't give him enough effort, or he's having to do everything on offense. But if they win, then it's LeBron's the best player in the world, and he does everything. And every, you know, like it's never no one ever can look at LeBron and say maybe he doesn't make his teammates that much better, and maybe he doesn't give that much effort on defense. Because if you're going to be considered the greatest player in the world, how are you going to just sag off and be and not even be involved in trying to stop Kevin Durant, who is just cooking your team? <sighs> What do you want him? I understand that, but you—he's doing everything on offense. He's not playing defense. Kev, Kevin Love is the only player that is underrated on this whole like that. I would say like of his like role players that play alongside him, he's the only one that's underrated. Everyone else in that team is so so bad. I mean, Rodney Hood had a decent game oh last night, God. and people forget that in Utah, Rodney Hood—he was an up-and-coming player. It's just when they drafted Donovan Mitchell, you know, Mitchell obviously took over that team, yeah. so. The, the Jazz were able to trade uh, Rodney Hood over to the Cavs. But Rodney Hood's a good player, and he showed it last night. And props to our, our guest, Adam Stanko, who, who said that the Cavs should be giving him more run because they did last night, and he, he played really well. And he was, a, he was aggressive on offense. And I just – people act like 
LeBron is immune to criticism. I mean, he has a triple-double last night, and that's all I'll talk. He had a triple-double, no help from his role players. Well, he was standing there watch, watching Kevin Durant destroy his team. So I'm going to say, where is he stepping up in on, on the defensive side of the ball? Got to pick your battles, Matt. Let's let's leave that one there, boys. We may have to look into that <laughs> I again. Can't, I can't wait until Rodney Hood goes, like, three for 15 uh, on <laughs> He Friday. may. I mean, I'm yeah, not like saying he's like an all-star runners. player, but he's no slouch. Yeah, and we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see what ends up happening with LeBron. He's a slouch. I think I think we can safely say, boys, that uh, next time we get together, this uh, this NBA Finals will be over, right? Yeah, they're getting swept. Yeah. Yeah. So to to my point, if that's what you're saying, getting swept, how can you be considered the greatest of all time and you can't even win one game in the NBA Finals? This is the the second or third time he's gotten swept in the finals. You can't be the greatest of all time if you're if you're continuing to get swept in the finals. Would you rather be Michael Jordan and take two years off of basketball because he's burnt out, lose to the Magic in the like semifinals, t- go to the playoffs with like a team that won like thirty games and not even make it to the final, not even make it to the finals in that East where a team had like thirty wins and they made it to the final or and they made it to the playoffs. That Orlando Magic team was really good. <laughs> was that they got swept in the finals? So yeah, by, kind of by a, a team with a bunch of Hall of Famers on it. I mean, the Rockets were really good that year too. Well, are the Warriors really good? Yeah, I mean, we've talked. I mean, they're one of the best teams of all time. So are they better? Than you got to be held, if you're going to be the greatest of all time. If people are saying you're the greatest player to ever play the game, that should be good enough to win at least one game at home, right? I would think. I, I, I could care less. I, a sizzling, no a sizzling back and forth no here between chance. the youngsters. I don't blame him for packing it up. He's out of there. He's getting the hell well, out of Cleveland. Yeah, he's definitely probably out of there. I agree with you on there. But you know, before we move on to a different topic, let's keep it in the NBA here. My mind was completely blown that John Beeline was actually interviewing with the Pistons and apparently was one of the top two candidates. Thank goodness he's staying at the University of Michigan. What do you guys think on uh, the Pistons? Do you think they're going to finally zero in and get it done with Casey or anybody else you think is going to come to the fold? Thank God. All i got to say, thank God Beeline did not go to the Pistons because no I, I do not want Michigan State fans to join in on the fun. He's a Michigan man. <laughs> right. But he was never going to the Pistons. That was clearly just to get a better contract for Michigan, I think. Apparently. Apparently, I agree, but boy, it was a, it was a little scary. You never know. You just never know how much money can convince a guy to go. What What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, it popped up out of nowhere to me, and I guess when when it finally like came out, uh, he had actually met with the Pistons like a couple weeks prior, so it had kind of been in the works a little bit, but. I do think, like, deep down he wasn't really ever going to leave Michigan. But, I mean, he was taking a bunch of interviews, and he was he was at least exploring his options. So maybe there was a slim, slim chance that he might go coach the Pistons. But, you know, the biggest thing to me, and it's kind of a knock on the Pistons, is, you know, when you watch how Beeline runs his team and runs his program at Michigan, you know, it's all about, about class and attention to detail with his system. And, you know, they're efficient the way that they play basketball at Michigan. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, there's no scandals. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, everything that Beeline does, it seems like it's completely opposite of what's going on with the Pistons right now, where I think it's like day 57 since the season ended, and they have no GM, no president of operations, and still no head coach. So I almost feel like if he was actually, like, considering going to the Pistons, he would have went into those meetings and been like, this is a mess. Yeah. Going back to Michigan. <laughs> That might be exactly what happened, too, you know what? God, who knows? And also, finally, in the, in the NBA, uh, Colangelo, we talked about it the last uh, pod. Now he's out. Apparently, he's he's throwing his wife under the bus and saying she was the one that did all the tweeting. Even if it was, he, you still, you're still out. Yeah, you got to you, be. You're never going to be trusted again. You're going to be the laughing stock of the league. If right. You, keep him you have no control team. over the misses? Come on. 
Got to keep them in control. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that, that's what was weird to me. I mean, if she was actually running those burner accounts, I mean, I, I guess I, you got to mention that. But if she wasn't, like, man, you're just going to throw your wife under the bus? I, I can't imagine uh, how things are going at home right now for Colangelo. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a rough, a rough week for him for sure, no doubt about it. All right, well, we're going to have uh, Amari Coleman. We're going to have that chat I had with him a little earlier coming up. But first, I want to tell you about the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the spot to meet up with all your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials, including great burgers, wings, and pizza. And, uh, Jared, one of your favorite cheat spots, right? It is. Maybe they all have fat balls. Never had one of those. We'll so. have to check with them. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M20. In Corona. Hornets line up in the power eye. Here's a quick pitch back to the tailback. This time gets around the right end. That's Coleman into the end zone for a Hornet touchdown. But an eight yard TD and New Lothar makes it look easy. So the Hornets going left to right wearing the black uniform tops and the gray pants. Here is Amari Coleman getting the ball around the right end. He streaks past the man at the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Amari Coleman. And that kid can scoop. 39-yard touchdown. I believe it's Brandon Green over here on this side. Now they'll run an inside trap play to Amari Coleman coming this way. Spins past the man. Spins past the man. He's midfield. The 40 down the sideline. The 30. The 20. He just trots into the end zone. Touchdown, Amari Coleman. Broke through a couple of arm tackles and took it 60 yards to the house. See what play they call. I got a feeling they might go to Coleman. <laughs> you think? Going out on a limb. He's lined up at the tailback right He's now. Due. He gets the pitch. Goes around the right end. Gets around the corner oh. and just walks into the end zone. <laughs> AC takes it in from seven. Well, hello again, everyone. I'm Ted Fattel, and it's time for another three-point pod one-on-one special. You just heard a few big plays from his high school career, and I'm really excited to have on the phone with me Detroit Lion Amari Coleman. Well, young man, how cool is it to be introduced as a member of the Detroit Lions? It's, it's a great feeling, man. It's really a blessing. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you taking time to join me here on this interview, and I just kind of want to briefly recap uh, a couple steps getting to the Detroit Lions tryout. Uh, in high school, you uh, started out at uh, Flint Hammity as a 13-year-old starting quarterback. First of all, tell me about growing up in the Flint area and your love for football. I mean, I've been playing football since I was about six years old, you know. So, uh, I don't know, every time, every, ever since I started playing, I loved it. Uh, my older brother, he played football, and I looked up to him. And um, just basically ever since then, I just fell in love with it and took it as far as I can. Well, obviously, you improved at every level. You made your way over to New Lothrop. Uh, we've covered a lot of New Lothrop contests throughout the years. Uh, you know, just a great Class C, Class D school when it comes to athletics, and you had a chance to play for Clint Galvis. First of all, tell me about your experience over there at New Lothrop and playing for Coach uh, Cal. Uh, he's a great coach. Um, he, he he had faith in me ever since the beginning. Um, over at Hamity, he was a coach, and uh, he came over to New Lothrop, and I knew him uh, previously, so I knew that he was a great coach, so I, I wanted to stick with him, you know. So um, just learning from him and his experience through coaching and just experiences through playing football, um, he, he taught me a lot, and he led me a, a good way. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you uh, you definitely did your part for the Hornets. Three straight uh, GAC conference titles, a couple of regional championships. As a sophomore, nine interceptions, 13 for your career, I believe. I mean, that kind of really set the stage for moving on to play collegiately for Central Michigan. Now, to make your way up to Mount Pleasant, give me a little bit of background on the recruitment process. I know the coach at that time was Dan Enos, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Tell me about how uh, when they first became interested and, and what made you decide to go to CMU. Well, um, they're my only offer out of high school, so mm-hmm. I feel like that pretty much summed it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but they started recruiting me, you know, earlier in my career, and I don't know, I just fell in love with the school and decided to go there. Well, you know, the thing is, in a small school like New Lothrop, it is pretty tough, I think, to get uh, people looking, especially on the Division One level. But uh, they, they, you caught their eye, obviously, and then went on to CMU and excelled. I, I know uh, once you made your way to campus, what was the biggest adjustment from New Lothrop to CMU? Um, just maturity. I believe mm-hmm. living by myself and, you know, just having to grow up quick. Um, I feel like that was the biggest change in having to just organize my life and uh, maintain a focused mindset in that kind of a in that kind of a area, you know. Well, you know, I, I I did a little research and I know your career up there. You had a lot of success, and a lot of awards, including uh, CMU's Co-Player of the Year in 2016 on the defensive side of the ball and All MAC First Team. Uh, you know, what was it that uh, you know, had you even excel to that next level and, and really perform on a high level? I feel like my coaches were really good. I mean, Coach Collins, he uh, he always put me in a great position to make plays. And uh, when that had my opportunity, I made the most out of it, you know. And I feel like that's the that's the main thing to do. What was your favorite moment being a Chippewa playing on the football field? Uh, beating Western my senior year. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you got to have that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No love lost between the Broncos and the Chippewas, for sure. Now, I know you ended up, uh, you did get your degree in an entrepreneurship, is that correct? Yeah, I haven't uh, completed it, but uh, I have one more year, let's go. Okay, but man, that's a that's really a, a, a good major, I think. You could use that for a lot of different things, right? Yeah, I believe so, too. That's why uh, I chose that one. <laughs> All right. All right. We're talking with a Detroit Lion, Amari Coleman. That's uh, that's where I really want to get with the meat and potatoes here. Tell me about the free agent uh, process. When did they get a hold of you to, to come on down and sign with the Lions? Well, um, it was, I mean, just right after the draft, you know. I mean, I'm just I'm just excited to be here, you know, in this opportunity. I just have to make the most out of it. Yeah, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your day-to-day process i mean i mean there's just so much they must be throwing at you and, and cramming your head with different things tell, tell me a little bit of your day day-to-day activity well yeah, i'm just trying to be like a sponge right now you know just take everything in uh just learn the playbook and just learn from the veterans in front of me that's the main thing i can do right now and just try to fit in you know you know the things we always hear out there is how intense and how thick uh, nfl playbooks are is is, is that the case well, I mean, I feel like that's that's the case with everyone, you know. I'm just trying to uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to uh get better each day and you know just focus on what I have to do. Make plays now, on the field. Now, you're playing specifically for uh defensive back coach Brian Stewart, is that correct? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, what uh, what kind of individual coaching do you get as a, as a group? You are you are trying to make the team as a defensive back, right? Well, I'm just trying to make the same as anything, you know. Anywhere the coach puts me, I'll, I'll make plays, and, you know, I'm just trying to make the most out of it, you know. Yeah, because I would, I would think special teams also would be a big part as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were a standout at CMU returning kicks and whatnot. 
just anywhere they put me, you know, I just I'm just trying to learn from the people in front of me and just become the best player I can be and just learn every day and just make the most out of the opportunity that I have. Now, Amari, does does the day to day to day stuff is it is it mostly classroom stuff? Is it on the field stuff? A combination? Give me a feel for that. I mean, I feel like it's a combination, you know. So let me ask you this: what uh, what's the next step? I mean, how much more of this OTA camp are you involved in, and and what's the next step for you? Well, I mean, I'm just taking it day by day. You know, every time every uh Every time I step in the building, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. And I'm just trying to make it day by day. And I, that's all I can do is take it day by day and mm-hmm. uh, just focus on just increasing my uh, my knowledge within the playbook and just trying to uh, get better. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you said it all when you're, you said you're just trying to be a sponge and learn as much as you can. And it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be tough and intimidating, but uh, you you know you're trying to make a career at it, and that's what you got to do, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, what do you think of the Lions as an organization? That's very organized. Uh, you know, everything's regimented. Well, what do you think with your experience down there? I mean, I feel like yeah. I mean, we have some great coaches here, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they try to prepare us and put us in the best places, uh, you know, and put us in the best opportunities to make plays. All right. Well, listen, Amari, I, I really appreciate you taking time out from your schedule. Uh, we want to wish you the best of luck. We've been following your career up here really closely, and you know, every step of the way you've improved and excelled, so we would expect nothing less with your, uh, with your opportunity with the Lions, all right? We appreciate you checking in. No problem, man. Thanks, Thanks for having me on the show. It means a lot. All right, Amari. Thanks again. Well, I'll tell you what, it was great catching up with Amare. I'll tell you, I had to go through some hoops through the Detroit Lions uh, communications office, but they were very cooperative. We finally were able to put it together. They're having mini camp as we record this on Thursday night. But what a great high school player. One of the best high school players I think I've seen in our area. Yeah, I probably did you remember like he had like eight, like every time he caught a punt, like he would take it for touchdown. If I were you, I would have asked him what it was like to literally be like a real life video game. The guys he was going against in high school (laughs) were so bad. Oh, yeah. I they were to, blowing out. Teams, I went to one New Lothrop game. It ended like fifty to zero at half. You know how it ended? So the team had the ball on the one yard line, and right. they ran like a bubble screen through it. Uh, picked it off. Game over. Picked it off like for a touchdown. Right. Game off. Well, well, think about this in the interview when I was chatting with him. Uh, I asked him how he made his way to CMU, and he said that was the only Division One school that even reached out to him. And and now. He's got. He's a pro. He's signed a contract. He's getting paid by the Detroit Lions. Hopefully, he can make the team. It's a long shot, probably, but you never know. It's just a cool story. Yeah, it's definitely a cool story. I was going to ask. So, did he, what year did he play at New Ulster? I think he graduated in uh, 2014, yeah, I believe. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. Okay. So, did they win any state championships when he was there? They made yeah. it to regional finals a couple times. Never won the state championship. Yeah, they did the usual blow through regular season, and then you play someone that's good. Oh, they lose. pounded people in the regular season. All all the time, too. Seems like the the smaller schools. It seems like that's when like players, unless they're just obviously like out of control, ridiculous. That's when they really get like noticed, as if they make it to the state championship, and then yep. you know in the state championship they show out. That seems like that's when they really get noticed. So, yeah, it's crazy that CMU was the only offer that he got. Yeah, I mean he was an All Mac performer defensively for the Chips. You know, speaking of football. Big story this week was Kyler Murray out of uh, Oklahoma. He's going to be taking over a starting quarterback, but uh, he probably has a future in another pro sport, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a really good player for, for the baseball team, too, at Oklahoma. And he got drafted number nine overall by the Oakland A's. So, I mean, he's a top ten major league uh, pick, and, and he's going to be or he should be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma this year. So, to me, I, you know, I had to try and figure it out a little bit, like, you know, could he sign his baseball contract but still play? 
uh, football, and apparently you can because he signed a contract with the A's this year for for basically five million guaranteed, and he'll still be able to play play football this fall. So sounds like the best case scenario for him. Boy, I didn't realize that uh, baseball players you know, you're drafting the top ten, and you can sign a five million dollar guaranteed contract. How, how does that like work? So if a player signs with an agent, like in college basketball, he's done. You sign a contract, you can keep playing football. Yeah, different sport. That just makes no sense. I, I think that this is going to get some pushback on it. No, this is this has gone on for quite some time. This is all that's how above always... board, and that's how they operate. Yeah, it's gone on for a while. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson did it when he was at NC State. Uh, Brian Jordan did it when he was when he was, like back in the day. Uh, Dion Dion Sanders did it. So I mean, it, it happens fairly often. It's just usually. The guys, I mean, like Shea Patterson got drafted yeah. by the Rangers this year. Does it's just usually the guys that are dual sport might be like lower draft picks in baseball. It's just this kid got picked top ten, so he gets this guaranteed money. Yeah. Does everyone in the world get drafted? I don't know. They have like 30, 32 rounds, don't they? Oh, my Lord. Well, Patterson was drafted in the 39th round, like 39th. 1,100 overall. So <laughs> he hasn't even played baseball since high school. So I think it, it gets to a point where, like, Jared, you could have got drafted, you know, in the 40th round or something like that. They just, like, pull a name out of a hat. Who knows? Of course, the Tigers had the number one choice. They, what, took Casey Mize out of Auburn. Uh, yeah. Indications are he's got the arm, he's got the pitches. Now, can he stay healthy? Yeah, I mean, see you in five years. Have fun in the minors. You, well, That's what I hate about it. baseball. We'll see him in five years. I don't you know, know about five years because he's already got. What, what year is he in college right now? Uh, he's a senior. I, I'm pretty sure he's in his fourth year because I think he threw his whole. He might be a junior. I'd have to double check that. But I mean, I've watched a few of his starts this year and talking to the people I work with who like cover. SEC baseball a lot more closely than I do. They they say he's the real deal. I mean, the biggest thing is there's a lot of kids who are the real deal, whether it's in high school or college. And then once they get to the minors, you know, it's a, a lot of times it doesn't work out. But so you, you never know how it's going to shake out. But I mean, on paper and what he did, what he did at Auburn, he people are saying he could be the next Verlander. So that's kind of setting the bar pretty high. But yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and the thing is, in, in baseball, too, I mean, he'll be on the fast track, like I said, since he's already got three or four years under his belt collegiately. I think uh, I think if he's a major league talent, he'll be on the on the big club within a couple years. I really do. All I know, I looked up, like, uh, I just searched it a few seconds ago, like, ML, like Tigers, number one pick. Mm-hmm. So I had the first opening story was, like, uh, Casey Mize. Second story uh, search was 12 worst uh, number one picks of all time. Apparently How many are Tigers? <laughs> How about, I, how about I, To be that? honest, I couldn't tell. It doesn't have the team they played oh, for. So, okay. well, where were you I'm, going with it? I didn't I'm mean to interrupt here. you. But I was just saying. I it's not, it looks like they're saying that like the this is like one of the worst picks in the first round is to be the number one pick. Usually they don't turn out. Like there oh. are very few All Star appearances. That just shows you how what a joke. Like I'm pretty sure Vladimir Guerrero got picked like. In the 40th round, like these guys just get picked all over the board. Yeah, well, that's just true. Like the scouting, baseball scouting, it's a crapshoot. There's nothing you can do. Well, the thing on Mize too, which is kind of a trivia question, he didn't, he never got drafted as a high school player. I mean, this is the first time he's been drafted by Major League Baseball, and he's number one. That's How true. weird is that? That's a joke. Another weird thing about the MLB draft, I don't know if if you guys heard about it or, or thought about it, like it happens while regionals are still going on in college baseball. So yeah. there were guys like for LSU and, and Vanderbilt, a couple teams, we were we were doing their games, and they were in the middle of regional games in the College World Series, the postseason, and people would text them, you know, call or whatever it was, and say, hey, you just got drafted. So it's just kind of weird that, 
you're in the middle of a game in the postseason and people are telling you you're getting drafted into the major leagues. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And then you got to go up and you know, like pitch the next game, or you know you got that bat while you're thinking like, man, I'm going to go play in the majors. In my opinion, this is the second biggest story in baseball. Did you see this? I mean, I don't know how much you guys claim you watch Tigers all. Every every dad claims he watches the Tigers all the time. Yeah, but Boston Red Sox fans briefly delay a game by using cell phones to distract Detroit Tigers batters. <laughs> how soft is the MLB? <laughs> phones are distracting. See the video of it. I was looking at a picture. They're like waving them. Literally, are you kidding me? You can't wave your phone, and it'll throw off the entire MLB. Well, if you got your flashlights all lit up, I don't know. Was it distracting? Did they make them stop? You'll just defend baseball tonight. Are you kidding me? Do you? I love baseball. Waving I... phones. It was distracting. Well, it sent Garden higher up a wall. Okay. I, I guess I'm not sure what the argument is you're giving me, but okay. It's not. It's just a statement. Baseball is soft. MLB baseball soft. soft. Okay. It was pretty crazy. Like when I first saw the headline, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Like, was it like ten a group of ten dudes doing it? It was like the whole stadium. It was quite a bit of people with their their flashlights on their phones waving it at Castellanos. So, I don't know. Like, it was kind of funny, but it does make me feel like baseball is a little soft. Well, let's 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 all talk about the integrity of the game with some people with baseball. Let's continue on a little bit with uh, Tiger baseball in just a second, but I want to remind our listeners that one of our great sponsors is the Corona Connection, a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and the Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. Pick up a copy at many Corona businesses and also Kroger, and also like them on Facebook. You can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. And I think, Jared, you got an article coming up in there, don't you? Yeah, June article, uh, Sid Sawyer. Connection of the month. All right. Congratulations to Sid. But back to the Tigers for a second. The big story, which is kind of dying down now, though, is the the whole rally goose thing. Now, Jared, do you understand what went on there? You guys briefly explained it to me earlier. So they were they were winning a few games, and then they lost. Well, well they lost like four. No, yeah, there was a. There, Sometimes on the ball field, you know, a bird will fly on the field, right? I mean, Randy yeah. Johnson famously That's cranked one with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, I don't know, a pigeon, I think. But a goose flew onto Comerica Field and was flying around, had couldn't figure out how to get out of there, and it just took off flying and crashed right into the upper deck and then fell down. <laughs> a local veterinarian took care of it, took it, got it cured, fixed up, and let, her, let the bird go out into the field. Okay, that was the start of it. And then the Tigers, one of the Tiger players got a, a goose decoy, I guess, and they started, like, rubbing its head, and they went on a little bit of a mini winning streak, right? Yeah, they won a few games. I think they won the next three games after that, so it was kind of, kind of becoming a thing, like the rally goose. But I think they're, like, one in four since that three-game winning streak, so it's kind of died down a little bit. Yeah. They really got you guys cinched uh, by the balls with just buying tickets, just consuming their content. Now, let me let – me, It's let a new me, thing every week. Let they me, play hard. Let, let me back you up games. a little bit, young man, they just for suck. a second, okay? Now, last week we were talking about uh, playing hard, or a couple weeks ago, yes. and last week, right? And I think it got off on a little tangent that I wasn't aware of. Now – my whole point that I was making that there is a way to play baseball hard. And I think maybe after hearing you and Jack talk about it, you guys were talking about that's like the Tigers slogan. That's what announcers are saying to yeah. hype the team, right? I missed that whole point when we originally talked about it. I will give you a little credit on that. You yeah. know that's where you got it. Where what? You and Matt must have been watching the same broadcast. What are you talking about? I'm, t- I'm talking about what you and Jack were talking about, and you said I got thrown with a body bag or something. What I'm talking about is 
or what I originally was arguing with you about is you can play baseball hard. I, it flew right over my head. You were talking about that's a marketing thing they were trying to do. I'll give you, I'll give it to you. Yeah, it's a little bit lame if you're trying to sell tickets by saying this team plays hard. I'll, I'll give you that right now. My whole argument I was saying is, and you were saying you can't play hard. How do you play hard in baseball? That's what I was arguing. Are you? Is that a fair statement you know or not? You provi- it was. You admit that you were kind of duped a little bit into this whole. I was. I was duped into. I was fooled into where your point was. I was. I wasn't duped on whether you can play hard in baseball or not. The only thing you know what your evidence was for why they're pl- like playing. You can play hard in baseball. You sprint. To, Pete Rose sprints to first base on a walk. Pete Rose, <laughs> a former All Star catcher. That's all I got to say right there. Yeah, I, I honestly had never seen that. That that was like the Tigers' slogan this year or whatever. But that that does it's pretty cheesy if that's what you're trying to sell the fans. Hey, hey, come watch this team that plays hard. Yeah, did you read it the same way I did, Matt? That he was arguing. Yeah, yeah. I, can't I mean, play we, I thought we were hard? talking about like literally playing baseball hard, not right. about the Tigers' cheesy slogan. Right. So I, I want to get that agreed, on the table. But I think he agreed with me saying that they, that you can't play hard. Well, Jack Strap seen more baseball games than. Well, all, can, all of us combined. All I can say is, again, Pete Rose catcher and Jack Strap a little bit senile. That's all I got to say. And what division do the Yankees play in? <laughs> to be honest, I still in what league? American, American or League? American? League. I, couldn't, I honestly still couldn't tell you. That's a pretty, pretty chance. I was going to say something about you brought up uh, Randy Johnson and when he fired that fastball and destroyed that seagull. Yeah. Funny kind of like inside ESPN story. It's since been released and it's on YouTube and stuff like that. But for the longest time after that game, I don't know, I, th- I think it was like PETA and uh, that Major League Baseball, they didn't want that video to be released to the public. Like, it couldn't even be in highlights. It couldn't even be in anything. So really? the tape that was in the tape library of the, the game record from that game was almost, like, locked up. Like, you couldn't check it out. You couldn't do anything for the longest time. Like I said, it, it has since been released, but, but there for a while it was almost like no one wanted video of Randy Johnson destroying this bird to get, to get out to public. Kind of funny. Yeah, pretty wild for sure. You got anything else on baseball and Tigers, Jared? I, I hmm? enjoy the rest of your season. Uh, just public service announcement. Maybe, maybe we have a big enough following where this can start catching on, like the whole "play hard" slogan. Uh, you never uh, know. They suck. The Tigers suck. They suck. Did we expect anything else? But you're you're acting like you're like pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, they play I, hard. I, I, the rally I, games. If you remember before the season even started, I said this could be a successful season, even though they're going to probably lose a hundred games if they stay in games and don't get consistently blown out. I think at this point of the state of the season, that's still pretty much the case. I and mean, they just lost seven to one to the. Red Sox. Well, sometimes there's a... Where they complain about the phones. And yeah, stuff. There, there's exceptions. And the Red Sox are one of the top two teams in the American League, by the way. Yeah, it does suck, too, because J.D. Martinez on the Red Sox, he's just cranking home runs. Oh, my God. Looking like he could possibly win the American League MVP and probably the American League Cy Young winner, Justin Verlander. Right. Probably the National League Cy Young winner, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Oh. Just loaded with former Tigers. <laughs> you know... The whole the whole downfall of the Tiger organization really was the way they handled Scherzer, don't you think? If they could have somehow signed him, I think I really think they would have won an, a World Series with Scherzer and Verlander and that whole crew. When they they couldn't come to agreement, I think it was over like fifteen or twenty million dollars. Yeah, that was a tough tough pill to swallow, and it was all downhill for that. There's no doubt. But I'm still optimistic, Jared. I'm optimistic this team in the future will rise again, my man. It's not going to be this year, though. I agree with that. Fair enough. Let's see what's going on with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jackstrap. 
Hey, guys. Actually, it's Jackie. How you doing tonight? Hey, we're, we're outstanding, Jackie. How's it going, Jackie? Awesome. I hope you're not disappointed to talk to me. I know, at least according to Jack, you guys really uh, enjoy talking to him. Uh, we like talking to you better. Well, good. I know Teddy and I, we go way back, and I've always <laughs> thought he was, you know, one of the cutest guys I've seen around. And, and uh, I know Jack gets bothered by that, but I can't help it, Teddy. You're, that, you're cute. That's okay. That's why I like you. Yeah. Hey, listen, guys, I don't know if you know, but one of the other reasons I wanted to get on the phone is I think Jack might be too shy to say this, but uh, tonight's our 66th wedding anniversary. Wow, fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, it was uh, Saturday, June 7th, 1952, and um, my, mom, my mom wasn't too happy that I married Jack, but, uh, uh, but that's okay. Jack's been, a, Jack's been a good husband. Listen, I thought it'd be fun and uh, maybe embarrassing to Jack if I read this poem that I wrote to him on our wedding night. Now, this is not something I would have read in the Church of God, but I did read this uh, later to him as we were uh, getting ready to go on our honeymoon. Do you guys uh, want to hear yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds romantic. Wait, wait, where was your honeymoon? Where'd you guys go? We went to Niagara Falls. Of course. Perfect. Okay. Well, let, it, let us hear it. All right, here we go. I take thee to be my husband, to love, hold, and adore, through sickness and health, Unless you visit a whore. <laughs> I do not love you for your money, honey. I do not love you for your looks. And you don't read many books. I love you for your heart and the love you have for me. I've loved you from the start. That is true. You'll see. If you love me unconditionally with warm, sincere affection, you'll forgive me, Jack, if there's no sex tonight. Because I have a yeast infection. <laughs> so I hope you hope you like that. Hey, hang on a second. Jack! Hey, just, she better not have just said what I think she... Did she just share our wedding poem uh, in front of the podcast I, audience? I, yeah, I think so. Oh, that, that is embarrassing. <laughs> it's very true. And, uh... You know, I thought about the whore, actually, for a while there, but... Couldn't even seal it on your wedding night. Typical thing. I know. I, I'm just trying to be silly. I mean, you guys know that by talking to that lady, she is is one hell of a woman, and I'm very, very lucky to have her. But uh, but how are you guys doing tonight? We're, we're outstanding, Jack. Good, good. Hey, on a, on a weird note, by the way, uh, I don't watch too much tennis. Did you guys hear about that uh, little tennis ball boy that got hit by the player uh, running in there? You know how the balls, the ball boys at Wimbledon go running by the net and grabbing the balls? Right, right. Yeah, and I guess one of the kids uh, got, uh, oh, wasn't severely injured, but he uh, got knocked down in a tennis match because the ball flew up in the air, and he's looking up in the air for the ball, and the tennis player's looking up in the air, and boom, they collide. And it uh, sort of made me think, it's like, what other sports besides football, where the kid goes out and grabs the tee, and in tennis, where they go out and grab the ball, that a robot hasn't taken a human job? Yeah, fair point. I mean, those guys don't get paid a lot of money. But anyway, I digress. I probably should have written a, a poem maybe to Jackie. Maybe I'll do that next week and uh, <laughs> write my own poem. But, uh, uh, hey, uh, did you guys see the uh, goose that ran into uh, the Tiger Stadium facade? We did, yes. I did not, but I've heard about it, yes. Well, you got you to look at that young man. I mean, you with that smartphone glued to your hand, you think you would have seen it by now. Do you have a cell phone, or are you are you calling on a home phone? Are you, what, are you calling on a landline right now? Well, yeah, we've got a landline. We've had one for a number of years, so 
I, uh, every once in a while, I uh, get one of those phones, like, like sort of like the burner you guys were talking about last week. My kids will get me one of those for, like, Father's Day, maybe, something like that. Yeah. And it'll collect us. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, speaking of that bird, by the way, and on the note that we talked about last week with, uh, you know, the Tigers trying hard, and then I guess they came out with, uh, Ted, uh, I'll ask you, since Jared didn't see the video, they came out with, what, a, a goose rallying goose or something they put out in the dugout steps? Yeah, a goose decoy. It worked for a little bit. Yeah, well, come on, think about this. And Jared and I are going to be on the same page here since we already laughed about the fact that Tigers are playing hard. And then what do they decide to do? They've been playing pretty well for a young team, and they decide to adopt a goose that that didn't get airborne and crashed into the facade as, as one of their good luck charms? I mean, what kind of sign is that? What's going to happen come June or July? Anyway, hey, speaking of the goose and speaking of Jackie's poetry, how about I give my take on the goose and try to give a shot at doing my own poem with it, okay? Go for it. Here, here we go. From the sky, the goose arrived in Tiger Stadium last night. The grounds crew chased it for a while, much to the crowd's delight. The game was delayed as we watched and we laughed. The sight was very odd. The bird then soared to claps and cheers as it crashed into the upper deck facade. Did the goose eat too many ballpark franks, guys? Or was the bird drunk? I really want to know. What made the bird forget how to fly crashing 50 feet below? Like the 2018 Tiger team, the goose played hard before its fateful flight. And like the bird, will this Tiger team crash playing hard each and every night? Perhaps this is a good omen. After all, we watched Mark the Bird Fidrich do his thing. He was rare indeed, unflappable, until he broke his right wing. And who can forget the other goose who appeared in 84? Gibby hit that goose into the upper deck facade. I could still hear the roars. That's, that's as far as I got. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. I got a brother-in-law goose, by the way. Oh, you do? Yeah. Goose Hickman. Send a shout-out to Goose. You might want to ask his wife why he got the nickname Goose. Yeah, let's leave that there. That's exactly. Well, what else is up, guys? I, I got to get going. You know, it's it's another honeymoon night, and I don't think she has a yeast infection. Well, one final thing. I know uh, we're going to be talking about the greatest U of M uh, football players. You got anything at all that you can throw out? Well, as you guys may know, uh, I've been a big Michigan football fan for years. Uh, I, I, uh, just off the top of my head, I'd say that, uh, like, uh, center Bubbles Patterson off the 1913 squad, I don't think you're going to find a tougher guy than Bubbles, uh, even though he had a, a lame name for football. And uh, Bump Elliott, Gerald Ford, Mark Harmon, I think my favorite quarterback for the Wolverines, Ricky Leach. I mean, come on, guys. You can't get much better than that. And nowadays you got everybody looking for the quarterback that can throw and run, and Leach did that way back when. Good stuff. Just off the top of your head, huh? Absolutely. And, of course, Dan Beardorf, he was good. And I think Anthony Carter is, uh, you know, probably the best receiver to come through, uh, you know, Michigan. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's just off the top of my head, yeah. guys. I think I think that uh, what is the Heisman winner? What is his name? Uh, Howard Kid. Desmond, yeah, Desmond Howard. Yeah, I think he's one of the more overrated 
uh, Heisman and Michigan players. Don't get me wrong, he's fantastic. I'm saying if I put together an all-time Michigan list, I think I'd probably leave him off and put bubbles on. Well, I'll tell you what, some of those, are, I got a feeling they're going to be on our list too. All right, guys. Well, hey, I got to get to my honeymoon. I got a wife over here waiting for me. We're going to go out to, to dinner tonight. I don't know, we might go to KFC, something like that, but we're looking forward to it. Okay, and pick up some of the meds, okay? You got it. Hey, guys, take care. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, we talked about the Rally Goose. Jack and Jackie had some thoughts on that. Uh, always tremendous to hear from them again, you know, no matter what, even though he's on your side more often than not, Jared. Mr. Bodybag himself. I love hearing <laughs> from him. Do you think uh, Jack and Jackie are going to go to Kerwood and get some funnel cakes? I think so. I got, I mean, he doesn't get out of the house much. I'm, I think they might make it over to Sunday's Polka Fest. That's what I'm thinking. By the That's so very possible. Jack and Jackie, pretty popular. And uh, Jake, I don't know if he'll be riding his bicycle in town or not. We'll find out. Hey, guys, while we wrap up the show in our last segment here, kind of a potpourri, one thing I know, Matt, that uh, uh, you've been following a little bit is some of these lists that have been on Twitter, right? Yeah, it was just something interesting. I always like talking about, like, uh, you know, your favorite player of all time for a sport or for a school or a team or whatever. And it was kind of – it was people were sharing it a lot on Twitter and Facebook, like – their favorite players from each individual sport, or they were then saying like their favorite Michigan football players, their favorite Michigan basketball players, or whatever. So, so uh, yeah, we we just uh, threw together some some of ours, and we we're going to go with the uh, Michigan football players by position. Um, so, you want me to start, or one of you guys want to start? No, what I want you to do is, <clears throat> since we're talking football, tee it up, baby. Tee it up, kick it off. All right, here we go. So I man, it, it's so hard for me for Michigan football to, to limit it to one guy. So there are a couple that I have a, uh, like two or three guys for. So at quarterback, Chad Henney and Denard Robinson are my two favorite quarterbacks at Michigan. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, Denard, I don't know. What the, I don't know what the heck that was from that. But I, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'll, I'll yeah, Mike. Denard, I got Denard Robinson as well. I mean, just the the legend around him, like the fact that he could not he could not throw that made him like must watch for me. Mm-hmm. You never knew. You knew he couldn't throw. You knew he was going to be intercepted probably whenever he dropped back. And that just made it, And on a team that sucked, he made it worth watching. And that's the same way with Tate Forcier, my You're going uh, to honorable the, mention. Oh, wow. Rotating he, quarterbacks. He was a tough – he was one tough guy. His his quest against Notre Dame, the like 2009, to like bring him back on that last-second drive – Probably my favorite drive I've ever seen in the history of Michigan football. I was in the end zone for that game. I was filming it for Fox 17, wow. and I was in the end zone. That like 45-yard run he had into the end zone, and the same end zone that Greg Matthews caught the touchdown to go ahead, I was about 10 it. yards away from Tate on that play. He had his, his moments without a doubt. His- Ass kicked. <laughs> he he's like 180 pounds. He's about your size. Yeah, he just had so much heart, and you gotta love how him and Denard both were just back to back September Heisman Award winners. Yeah, that's about right. I agree with you there. And again, I want to remind our listeners this is a generational show. So my pick for all time greatest Michigan quarterback is Rick Leach out of Flint, a four year starter for Bo Schembechler. I think he was the first freshman quarterback ever started at Michigan. And the other key thing in my pick for Rick. He uh, he's my age, so I'm going to go with him. And he also finished third in the Heisman. A lot of people don't realize that. Nice, he did. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad went to high school with Rick Leach. He went to Flint Southwestern. My mom did too. And uh, my dad played baseball with Rick Leach. So that's that's kind of cool. All right, who's next up? What next? Running back. Mine definitely. I mean, that, I like a bunch of running backs. Michigan obviously has, has had a ton. But Tyrone Wheatley. When I was a kid, Tyrone Wheatley. I mean, he was. You hear the legend about him. He won the state track championship in Michigan by himself. 
and that was the first Michigan jersey I ever had, a number six. So Tyrone Wheatley for me. For me, solid uh, running back Derek Green. Never Thanks played for the CMU and put up some numbers for the, for the chip. He was like the number one running back in his class and number like eight overall player back in 2013. Big recruit for Brady Hoke. Came to Michigan, put on probably like 45 pounds. <laughs> Must have been on the Brady the Hoke freshman guys. 40. Yeah, <laughs> freshman. He put on the freshman 40. Never played, but he was my favorite because he was just always a punchline. He was good for a laugh when we were when the Rich Rod or when the Brady Hoke teams were falling apart. He was good for a laugh every Saturday. Uh, you know, as Jack. Strap says about you, Jared. You think out of the box. I will give you that. No doubt about it. My pick for running back, uh, just a guy I really liked. Uh, had a chance to actually interview him in the Michigan locker room back in the day. Jamie Morris, all Big Ten in uh, 86 and 87. And he was a tremendous running back for the Wolverines. So next up, wide receiver. I mean, that's a tough one for me, too, because I played wide receiver, so I just love watching those guys. Uh, Derek Alexander, though, was my first original favorite uh, Michigan wide receiver. But I love Jason Avant and Braylon Edwards, obviously. Those, those are my three favorites. I've never even heard of uh, the first, what was the first, Alexander. What was that guy's name? Eric, Eric Alexander, Alexander, yeah. Oh. He, he was early 90s. He, wore number, he was one of the number one wide receivers, but he played with, like, Elvis Gerbach. I had no idea who that is as well. Elvis Gerbach? You no. never heard of him? Okay. Wow. <laughs> now, who's your pick? <laughs> Wide receiver, Drew Dilio. This was an easy selection. He's got the best <laughs> nickname in the business. Dil- Drew Dildo Dilio, the best nickname. He's white. He's small. Wasn't very fast. Uh, he was quick. He maybe ran like a 5-3-5-40. But... More quick than fast, huh? That's one of those stereotypes. And you just, and I loved it because every time he caught a pass, like, it just hyped up the crowd. Like The crowd would just go crazy. A little bubble screen for two yards. But, but, and, but... and he wore number 26 for a wide receiver. He did, didn't he? He did win us the Sugar Bowl that one year, right? That was him that held the uh, field goal that made like the – or held like the fake field goal, made the miraculous play for the first down. I right? think yep. so. And, but – no, my favorite part of him, why is he here on my eyes? NCAA football 16. Uh, <laughs> you run stick play. It's like a little uh, It's an option route for the inside slot receiver. He either runs a little inside hitch or uh, out route. It's unguardable, and he always had that position. So he just was a go-to option for me uh, in all my years playing NCAA football, which needs to come back, by the way. Well, I'm going to go again in my own generation. This one is a complete slam dunk for me, the greatest wide receiver I've ever seen at the U of M, Anthony Carter. He uh, he played from 79-82. He had the all-time game-winning catch and run against Indiana and uh, Lee Corso. His quarterback was John Wangler, and Anthony Carter went on to win a uh, USFL championship for the Michigan Panthers, AC all the way. Also was I, a big I thought you were going to go with Anthony Carter. I did think you were going with him. There's no doubt about it. That one was a slam dunk. Let me. Never, I bet you've heard the Bob Eufer radio call then of that touchdown. So many times. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. One of the best calls of all time. Yes, it was. So, yeah, next would be tight end and keeping uh, with the, the mid-'90s. Jeremy Tooman is my favorite Michigan tight end. Helped win, helped win the Rose Bowl, helped win a national championship with Brian Greasy. A dude could play. He was a player. I'm just not even going to say it anymore, but just basically every single guy you guys have said just right over my head. That's okay. You can listen to the podcast uh, and my, look it up. My best, my favorite player, uh, Jake Butt. Um, just because I, of his last name? No. It is a funny, very humorous last name, though. I will give you that. <laughs> Fits right in your mode? Of course. That's not I don't have a two-year-old humor, okay? <laughs> no. But his, Three-year-old. But I, well, the way I look at it, he's my favorite. I tell you what. You play in the bowl game, uh, die in the bowl game, lose your leg. Uh, you're a martyr for our team. You, you earned a spot on my favorite list. That's how I look at Jake Butt. I'm going with uh, Jim Mad Dog Mandich, a team MVP in 1969. <laughs> the game of the century. He oh had a big game God. against Ohio State. He, <laughs> he went on to play... A, 
pro football for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, you're laughing too. Mad Dog Mandich. And uh, he, he went on to play for the Dolphins. And here's another reason why I threw it in there. You, you guys know I went down to the Keys about three weeks ago, right? And uh, we ate at Mad Dog Mandich's restaurant. It was awesome. So oh, nice. He That's had a, real cool. Was he there? Uh, no, he's unfortunately passed away, but oh, the I'm restaurant hand, stands. All right, what's next up? Next up, uh, this, this is a good one. Uh, people probably had to dig deep for this one. Offensive lineman. I mean, the easiest one for me is Jake Long. He played with Mike Hart, and it seems like he, he played left tackle. And it seems like they would just run Mike Hart over left tackle every time and gain six or seven or eight yards every single time. So, so Jake Long. I mean, really the only two linemen I know are him and Taylor Lewan, and Taylor Lewan's a douchebag. So pretty easy choice for me with uh, Jake Long. Here's an, here's an old-timer. You might know this guy, Jared. Wait, wait, wait one sec. Jake Long also came to Corona's football camp. I have a picture with Jake Long. So that's that's great right. Guy. And his brother uh, was an assistant coach at Corona and then all, now is still assistant over at New Lothar, yep. right? Yep. Great. Yep. Favorite teacher of all time. There John you go. Long. My favorite offensive lineman, Bo Schembechler said it's the best offensive lineman he ever coached. I'm talking about Dan Deerdorf, currently a color commentator on Michigan football radio broadcast, and he was a, an NFL broadcaster for a long time, and an, I think he's a Hall of Famer with the uh, former St. Louis Cardinals. How about that one, boys? He is, and I, a lot of times I forget that he went to Michigan, but yeah, he's, he's an all-timer. I mean, yeah. That's just basically us listening to the news. You really can't tell with linemen. Let's be honest. It's, you can't. you got to go by awards, right? All-American, yeah, all-pro, yeah, Hall of Famer, so... Yeah. How about defensive line? Who do you got, Matt? Defensive lineman, I'm going uh, Lamar Woodley, Saginaw's own, man. He was, he was a beast in those early 2000s teams, uh, and I got to meet him. I, I hung out with him a few times at Michigan. One of my buddies lived in the same dorm as Lamar Woodley and uh, Jerome Jackson. He was he was a running back at that time, so, so Lamar Woodley is my guy. So is that kind of weird? Like, I mean, you've met him. Is that kind of, like, he's like your same age. Is that kind of weird rooting for him? I've always kind of, like, I'm kind of worried about that when I grow up. Like, well, kind of now, like, I'm watching college players that are the same age as me. Mm-hmm. It's just a wild, like, when you really think about it, like, these guys are younger than me. It gets worse and when, I'm like, when you start watching them at the end of their careers, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, I had, uh, you, you, I don't think either, maybe you guys won't know who this is, but defensive lineman, Ryan Van Bergen. Uh, you, he Did he give up 60 points like every week and did his running game get slashed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. He was tough as nails and he gave it all he had. That's the definition. He's the definition of grit. So, yeah. Oh, he, grit. I grit. like that. I'm going to go with uh, a player from 85 to 88. Played four years for Michigan. He was all Big Ten, first team, all four years. Mark Mesner, number 60. Look it up. He was a stud. Nice. Uh, Next one, linebacker. I mean, there's a long list, obviously, again. But Larry Foote is one of mine. And then Cato June, my two favorite linebackers. I liked Ron Simpkins. He he had... uh, he played in the 70s, okay, late 70s, and he had 20 tackles against Ohio State in 77. That's good enough for me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. Did you see – so, like, is Bo, Bo Schemichler's kind of, like, remembered. Did he ever win a national title? He didn't. He didn't. Do, do you want to have that discussion now or another time? No, he never won a national title. I, he had a hard enough time so winning the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you guys that was his are, big uh, – but he was, he was awesome. He was, he was a football coach. That's all I can say. Well, yeah, he put you in your – place a I little bit never bad about him again. <laughs> but he was buddies with me too he, he, he oh yeah he got yeah. past it he put me in my place but then he was still cool to me my favorite linebacker uh <laughs> devin bush he's kind of like a miniature ray lewis he's got some swag with his dreadlocks he like wipes off his shoes after a sack but did you guys see his haircut he got it's uh, a no. wild haircut it's like a buzz cut with a little dreadlocks in the back oh sweet 
I did see that. I, I was kind of hoping he'd keep the dreadlocks, like the full dreadlocks going. But, but yeah, I, I love him. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. Now, a cornerback or defensive back, we got to all have the same guy, I'm thinking. Go ahead. I mean, it's a, it's a given. It's got to be Chuck Woodson, right? got to be Woodson. On the contrary, uh, Jordan <laughs> Jordan Lewis, he had one sick interception against Wisconsin, but pretty much I like him just because of his Twitter account. Very funny. <laughs> okay. Yep. So, yeah, Champagne next up bro. is safety. I mean, that, Millennial uh, if, the difference between a corner and a safety, I guess. But uh, mine is Marcus Ray. And the main reason, I mean, he was really good, but he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated uh, de-cleating David Boston and that, that epic game against Ohio State. And that, that, I have that Sports Illustrated cover framed, and Sweet. it's just awesome. So, Marcus Ray. Mine, uh, Jordan Kovacs. Uh, he was a walk-on and he was white. Do, do I need to say anything else? Pretty he solid. walked on like three times, too. Because he walked on and got hurt and had to walk on again. So that, that's impressive. He was good. Do you, guys, do you guys see a trend here? I'm going old school on this one. Tommy Curtis, he had 25 interceptions in his career from 67 to 69, and he's a college football Hall of Famer. So I'm going with Tommy Curtis. That's a lot of interceptions to have back in that day. It is. Yeah. They didn't even throw the ball that much, right? Well, that, that's kind of like your, your, uh, your record at Corona, right? That's what you said. Yeah, he's got me beat. <laughs> I mean, how about special teams? We unanimous on that. Did you even do one of those, Jared? Yeah, I did. Uh, I got two of them actually. So I got um, Jabril Peppers. Obviously, I think that might be Matt's as well. We'll see. Maybe, maybe Desmond Howard might have been before Matt's. Time. I've got Desmond Howard. Yeah, that's what I figured. But so Jabril. I mean, he, the only thing I hate about Jabril is that he didn't play in the bowl game. I'm still not sure if that was because he actually hurt if he was just sitting out. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I like Jabril Peppers. I I just thought he had that one punt return for a touchdown, but he always. It was always, like, too much hype. He never actually did a whole lot on special teams to me. But I do like him. But Desmond Howard was my pick. I mean, he was – that's that was the the first – I mean, he was the, he won the Heisman, but he was the first, like, great Michigan player that I saw. Yeah, he was I, – I love Desmond Howard. He's, like, my – he's one of my favorite TV personalities. But – Real, like it just pains me. The Browns are just completely missing. I mean, come back to Michigan, dude. <laughs> I, if you, I wish you could come back, come back, baby. We miss you. It would be nice, wouldn't it? They got him playing thirty yards off the ball or whatever. Did you? So you did have Desmond Howard, right? Without uh, a that, doubt, yeah. yeah. That's a, that was a that's a unanimous for me. Honorable mention, special teamer Dennis Norfleet. He had a pretty awesome video of him dancing that went viral on Twitter a few years ago. But uh-huh. Other than that, he's kind of a lot like Drew Dillio, like really, really quick, but maybe like a 5-3-5 five, five, uh, on the watch. But my, he's my favorite because he absolutely – so Corona scrimmaged uh, Martin Luther King, Detroit Martin Luther King in a, in a game, and my brother caught like a little like bubble screen. Mm-hmm. Got completely depleted. <laughs> stitches, in his, stitches in his face. Uh, Dennis Norfleet – let me clarify. Dennis Norfleet depleted him. So now my brother at this point had stitches in his chin, uh, concussed – very, very humorous. Which brother, John or Jerry? Johnny. Johnny, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> it was a very funny day for me, though, personally. Was this a, was this a full pad scrimmage or just like yeah. a seven on seven? Yeah, full pads. Uh, yeah, he died. He did. <laughs> he must have. You know, I'm kind of surprised didn't make your list, Ted. Who's that? Randy Logan. And the only reason I picked him from 1973, okay. his position was Wolfback. Wolfback. <laughs> Wolfman. Yeah, I remember Randy Logan, as a matter of fact. That was a Wolfback. Is that offensive or defensive? That was defensive. That was kind of like a hybrid linebacker and safety guy. So it's kind of like the Viper position that they have now. Yep. Yeah. But just, and, then my, and then I just kind of threw this in just for the heck of it. Like my favorite coach of all time, Brady Hoke. Uh, <laughs> he was, you know, just he was. Even he was over Rich Rod. Coach. Yeah. 
But Red Flintstone. Uh, kind of like the whole Derek Green thing where you got to laugh every Sunday. But anytime anything went wrong, like the running back fumbles, you're yelling at Brady Hoke to put a headset on. Right. That, that was That's very true. Yeah, you did that have to every, do that. Every 40-year-old dad would yell at his TV every Saturday, and it's a tradition that I miss. <laughs> it is crazy to think, I mean, when we're talking about this, uh, some of the guys that I'm rattling off, Jared hasn't heard of because it's from like the mid or late 90s. The last time Michigan won a national championship, that happened before Jared was born. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, you know what I've had to take from other fans. Michigan's favorite channel is the History Channel, so let <laughs> us down there in the last eighteen years. That's a fair shot for sure. Well, guys, we're uh, we're getting to the end of this pod, but before we do, let's throw a few a uh, few pot shots out, okay? And this week, Terrell Owens, old T.O., has decided, you know, he uh, he had a lot of controversy thinking he should have been in the Hall of Fame sooner. And and fair enough, maybe he should have been by talent alone. But now he's saying he's not even going to show up to the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame ceremonies in Canton. Thoughts on that? All-time savage move. I am 100% behind him on that move. You don't want to put me on first ballot. I'm not even enjoying it. I'm too good for it. Mm-hmm. He's too good for it. Oh, boy. My first reaction is like, come on, man. Like, you're like, get over yourself type of thing. Like, you finally got into the Hall you know, show a little class, be show some humility, and, you know, go accept your award. You know, this is your time to shine. This is your weekend that all eyes are going to be on you with the greatest football players of all time. They're going to be honoring you. But then, like, there is a side to me that's with Jared, and, like, he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer because he was getting held out just because people didn't like him. Yep. And that's kind of wrong because based on his stats and the way he played, he should have been in the Hall. So part of me is kind of like – yeah, take your take your gold jacket and and walk off. You know, I see I see that argument, but I I, I tend to lean obviously to your first point. Sometimes you, in life you got to suck it up, yeah. and you know if you don't want to be in the Hall of Fame, you know what you do? You tell them I don't want it. I don't want my bus there. I don't even want to be a part of the Hall of Fame. Then if you feel that way, so that that's how I look at that one. Speaking of the Hall of Fame boys, I'm just throwing this out as a pot shot. You know, I was. On a road trip this last week, I had a, a sales convention I attended in Cleveland, and we had an industry event at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I don't know if you've had a chance to ever go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Very, very cool venue on the uh, on the banks of the uh, Lake Erie in Cleveland. But I didn't know this until I walked the halls. You know, you go into the Hall of Fame, and they got plaques of uh, the inductees. Do you realize the Beatles? didn't make it until the third year of the Hall of Fame. That just kind of blew my mind. I know, Jared, you don't even know who the Beatles are, do you? No, I do. Okay. No. Great man. Does that uh, surprise you that they wouldn't be first ballot are they, selection? Are they rock? Yeah. Heck yeah. I don't even know what genre of music the Beatles should be considered. The Hall of Fame started in 88. Yeah, you would have think that the Beatles would have been the, the first name mentioned, right? Right. I mean, I did have it written down. Here, here's what I did look up. Okay, in 86, actually, is when the first uh, first election was. Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, a few others, Everly Brothers, you know, some of the originators of rock and roll. Elvis Presley. Okay, Little Richard. But the Beatles should have been right there, too. Then they go to the next year. They, they induct people like uh, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye. Okay, first of all, I don't even consider that rock and roll, but okay. They, you they, watch your mouth about they, Marvin Gaye. They deserve to be in the Music Hall of Fame, I'd say that. But yeah, they're more R and B. It seems like exactly. So it didn't. It took '88. So the third year, the Beach Boys got in, and finally the Beatles got in with uh, Bob Dylan, the Supremes, a few others. But how did they not get in first huh. ballot? Give me a break. But that's that's that like was, T.O. There you go. That's kind of the segue I was looking for. One final thing, I think, unless you guys have another topic you want to throw on the table. Jared, 
Saturday. You know what Saturday is, don't you? Oh, I do. And I I am loving the news I am hearing about Justify. Okay. It came out of four to five odds, which is better than it was last time. Yeah. But 50% chance of rain on Saturday. Oh, he's and a mutter. the number one post is like is 15 more. He's in the number one slot at the race. Okay. He's going to jump out to a huge lead right off the bat. And like 15, that slot post, the number one slot post, has won 15 more times than any other post in the entire might as well just in the entire stakes. You might as well just hand him the trophy now. Hand oh. him the triple crown. So now. Justify gets the triple crown. He does. Okay. I am betting everything I've made on him so far on him again. We'll wow. we'll definitely I, see we'll after see. Saturday where you said I have no comment on that. One thing I do have a comment on I've been hearing about his his owner uh, has another horse that would be a real solid contender. I don't know the name Bob of Baffert? it. I th- is, is that who it is? That's the trainer's name. But they had another horse that was really, really good. I think it ran in the Kentucky Derby but didn't run last time. And they're pulling that horse out, and there's been a lot of controversy of, is that really is that really right? Is that sportsmanship? You know, don't you want, if you're going to win the Triple Crown, don't you want to have the best field possible? I don't know, just That's a thought. That's a joke. Yeah. That's the stupidest thing I've heard. You, it's his own horse. It's like his teammate. Yeah, withdraw him. Who cares? Yeah, but does it does it kind of knock it down a little bit of a notch? No, not at it's all. Triple crown. Okay, I just I'm throwing that on the table. I'm not sure exactly how I feel on that one at all. But I I thought it was a little weird. That's all. Well, why? How, if you how, own both horses, why don't you run them both? Talk of the internet if if this teammate beat him. The really? Same trainer. You don't think that would be like a like so say they're neck and neck at the end and he beats him? I don't know. They would be like, what the heck are they doing racing him? Well, first of all, they they the win crown. they win it. Do, do yeah, it takes away the triple crown. Do you remember how much American Pharaoh is making a day? Logistically, I get it, and I know what I know what you're saying. American Pharaoh's having a fun life too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think we I think we had a lot of fun here again tonight, as always. To all our listeners, just again, remember, share this pod with all your friends. Give us your feedback. We keep uh, picking up listeners every single time we post this. We'd love to hear your comments. Email us at threepointpod at gmail.com. Obviously, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Z92.5 Sports Guy. Matt, you're where? Z381. And I'm at Jared Patel. And, of course, Jack Strap at JackStrap88. Thanks again to Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. Thanks also to Amari Coleman and uh, from the Detroit Lions Communications Department, Eamon Reynolds and Solomon Williams. Appreciated their cooperation. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.